Welcome to Whitefields Church Podcast. Our focus is to help you grow relationally, emotionally, and spiritually. I hope you enjoy the message. Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elijah replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elijah said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Something about shutting that door behind you. Pour oil into all the jars. And as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Come on. Um, we pick up interesting habits from our parents, right? Can everybody admit? <laughs> I can admit a, a couple, but I'll just list a few, right? Bargaining. I mean, certain people have just a gift of that. I mean, I've tried that. You know, I've showed up sometimes with a, uh, on a marketplace, whatever, and I'm about to talk, and I'm like, I'm going to offer that. And right when I'm about to do it, I'm like, all right, sounds good. Take my cash. <laughs> and then there's people that can just bargain down. They go to the dealer and just get a vehicle, 20000 below asking price. It's, it's awesome. Um, here's another habit, procrastinating. Yeah? I'm just going to list off a couple. I know some of them are going to hit home. <laughs> um, what about punctuality? That's a big one, right? Not being punctual. Driving skills. Driving skills? Yeah. I had a, a gal in college that I knew, uh, my classmate. She said she inherited her driving skills from mom, you know. And uh, she was this, you know, small Asian gal. <laughs> she's really sweet and everything. She's just like, when I switch across the lanes, uh, she's like, I would turn on the blinker say a little prayer, and hope that no one hits me. <laughs> I'm switching now. Good luck, everybody. Um, here's another one, big one. And I want to, I, I wonder what the man's reaction is going to be. Filling up your gas tank, right? Husbands, how often did you get in behind the wheel of your car, uh, behind the wheel of your wife's car? Yeah? Uh, and the gas tank is empty. It's like, it's a world phenomenon, really, um, that no one can explain. I mean, there's a few moms that are probably on top of it, too. But I don't know. I think it's just so incredible. Uh, I even found a photo. Um, it's, it's funny. And my, my wife can relate to that, you know, because I'll just sit down. It just happens to be that time when I get behind the wheel, the tank is empty. I even had a photo. Can you pull that up? <laughs> I, I really mean that. Guys, this is a dashboard of our Ford Explorer previously, and I had to find it. Last night, I was midway, like, falling asleep, and I'm like, I'm going to pull this up to prove this. <laughs> Distance to empty, zero miles. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So keep that up for just a second. Uh, on my last visit to Washington, when we visited Larissa's parents, um, I had to repark her mom's car. We were about to leave, and then I get in her car, um, and I and I looked, <laughs> and her gas tank is also empty. <laughs> um, and mom, and you know, uh, and her mom was like, you know, she's a sweet, she's amazing. I love her so much, just like my own mom. And uh, she's like, you know, you can actually drive another 30 miles on an empty tank of gas. <laughs> you know, I, it's funny because I used to criticize that. But then I received a revelation um, that it takes so much faith to drive on an empty tank of gas. Seriously. I mean, moms could be running. I'm telling you, moms, I give you a major shout out. I mean, you'll be driving like your soccer practice or anything like that. I'm like, I got no time for that. Y'all kids, let's get a prayer together. <laughs> Seriously. I've seen it. Uh, I should just go to the soccer field one time and just, just randomly stop by and take a look at people's gas tanks. Hey, mind if I look at your gas tank? But it's incredible. I received this revelation that it takes so much faith. I, got, I, I can't have that kind of faith. I mean, a quarter of a tank, and I'm like, I don't know. Like, I got to refill. So, um, but th that empty tank of uh, gas also, I got this revelation, is a representation of how much moms give. They really pour out. You know, they really use up that fuel tank of gas. So... Let's give a standing ovation for our amazing moms. Come on, everybody. Let's get up. Come on. The wives and moms who burn their fuel tanks for them, not just for themselves, but to serve us, to serve our children and our families. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I know a lot of moms were just like, this is an attack on moms. <laughs> no, this is just shows about your giving hearts. And so happy Mother's Day. And in honor of all our amazing moms, the title of my message is Empty But Plenty. Come on. Ah, I'm excited. Have you ever prayed your way through the end of the day? Is anybody? I'm just going to speak real stuff here. And, and then you realize that next morning you wake up and you have to do that all over again. And then you realize that you cannot be everything to everyone, Right? where you have nothing left to give. Literally, you're on an empty tank. You're just pouring out. You're giving. You're giving. Um, some people need you for your physical needs. Some people need you for your emotional needs. Some people rely on you for your spiritual insight. Um, and some people need you to do all that and support them financially, and then some, you know. In the meantime, in the meantime, you're fighting your own battles, you know, and at the end of the day, you can feel that you're drained and empty. And there's another kind of empty as well. When we were carrying extra weight, you know, it could be a health issue, maybe a diagnosis you just received, or perhaps you're grieving, you know, a loss of a friend or a loved one. Maybe it's a difficult situation like a divorce. Anything can happen in life, you know. And we can pretend that things are okay. For a little while, but emptiness suddenly makes you aware of your loneliness. And this is where we find this widow in 2 Kings chapter 4. Her husband, I mean, it seems like he was a good fella. He gave his life to God, right? And now he dies. And the custom called, you know, during those times to call on the older son to provide, to take care of the mother. However, her children are young. So in that time of history, uh, 
becoming a widow was like loss of a livelihood, you know. So now she could potentially lose her sons because, you know, there's debt that's owed. And just such a despair, such a tough situation. She can't pay her debts. And now, you know, she feels like she's failing her children. So this woman is out of money. She's out of ideas, out of time. And she has probably ran out of hope and strength. But that was not how she probably planned her life, right? That's not how she thought it would turn out. And yet, things are about to get worse. And I, and I love that. Uh, oftentimes, it happens. And my dad regularly reminds me, son, often what happens is before it gets better, it gets a little worse. Um, have you ever felt overwhelmed? I'm just saying, where you are faithful to God and you're still coming up empty. So here's the question for us today in this message is that, what do we do when we feel empty, all right? But know this. This is the key thing. God does some of his best work when we are empty before him. When we are empty out of all these things and out of our ideas, and finally there's room, and the Holy Spirit comes in and pours into our lives. So best things happen when you are empty before God. So let's walk through these seven verses uh, in 2 Kings 4. And uh, it will help us to understand what to do when we are feeling empty. Three steps today. I'm not giving you seven or ten steps to your better life, but today is very simple. <laughs> we see three steps in this passage. And I'll give them to you right away if you want to write it down. First one is cry out. Second one is reach out. And the third one is pour out. Number one, cry out. In that first verse, it says, The wife, 2 Kings 4.1, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elijah, okay? So she cried out. When you are feeling empty, the first thing you need to do is cry out to God, all right? That's very important. It seems very simple, right? But if we're honest, if we have to admit this is not our first resort for some reason, it's not the first thing that we do, right? Because we're too busy pretending. We're like, we're fine. We got this. I got it, right? But subconsciously, what happens is we make our life full. We pack up our schedule and so we don't have to feel that emptiness, but busyness does not replace emptiness, okay? It might mask it for a little bit, you know, and I'm really encouraged. And I'm telling you, I see moms and I see my wife and I see other moms pouring out and all they do and they 10 things on a list and all the things. But busyness does not replace emptiness. Because what happens is at the end of the day, you feel overwhelmed, you feel tired, you feel like you're overcommitted. And we begin to conclude that everyone just refuses to help us. Because of all the things that we signed up to do. And here we are, right? Then we are isolated. We're by ourselves. We pretend that everything is awesome. And then we start believing that no one cares. Guys, this is not just mobs. This is, I mean, I'm talking from home, from my heart. This is, I've experienced that. And then you feel empty and alone because, you know, you just give, you give, you give. And you think because you're busy, you're going to be all right. Then you're just alone, isolated, all by yourself. <laughs> I don't know why whenever I had those moments, I was thinking of that song. All by myself. Don't want to be. That's right. So the woman in the second Kings probably wanted to protect her children from this, you know, desperate situation. I mean, it's a tough thing. I mean, she's about to lose her kids. That's what happened during that time. It's like, you don't have this. Well, you got kids. Thank God. <laughs> 
We don't need to give up our kids nowadays, you know, in exchange for our debt. Man, we lose all our kids. <laughs> Praise God. God has given us the ability to provide wealth, but also be wise with our money. Amen? So, but this is a situation, if you think about it, right? I mean, it was, he was the sole provider, and now he's gone. And here it is, a mom left with two boys. She has nothing left, right? So she cries out to Elijah. So we hear about crying out to God often in the scripture. And there's a reason why I'm pointing this out. Psalms 34, 6. 34, 6 says, This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. I, we were singing, I sought the Lord. Psalm 34, 4. That's where the song is based off of. I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he delivered me from all my fears. And remember, and also in the New Testament, right, when Peter, when Peter was uh, walking on water. We all know this very popular story, right? And what happened when he began to sink? Matthew 14, 30. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. So it's normal to experience those things in our life, the difficulties, right? And beginning to sink, he did what? He cried out, Lord, save me. There's numerous uh, times. How about like when a blind man, right, who wanted to be healed? Luke 18 38 and he cried out Jesus son of David have mercy on me you know it's so amazing every time someone cried out to Jesus Jesus responded so important to know who we crying out to who are we crying out to then why is it that crying out to God is our last resort and not our first resort right perhaps we think that remember during the time of Jairus and that woman with the issue of blood, that whole story, phenomenal story, where Jesus was on the way to Jairus' house, and this woman interrupts, and she had an issue with blood. And then she goes and on and talking, telling her all the story and everything, what happened in her life. In the meantime, Jairus' daughter dies. Then you have these people showing up from Jairus' house saying, hey, it's too late. Why bother why bother Jesus anymore, right? Why bother teacher anymore? And so, but God is always on his schedule. Amen? Hallelujah. Long story short, we all know this story. The daughter ends up not only just getting healed, she gets a resurrection because she dies. And so God has just glorified that much more. So that's what happens in difficult situations in our lives sometimes. We're thinking, Lord, why didn't you answer? Perhaps you ask God to change the situation and uh, things remain the same. <laughs> Many times happens. Many times the greatest blessings from God are the ones that he did not answer. Because, but at that moment, we don't get it, right? And until after we get through it, Romans 8, 28 makes sense. Like all things, oh, all things. I get it, Lord, now. But perhaps you pray to God and things get worse. I mean, this happened to me numerous times. I'm like, come on, Lord, do this. And I'm like, did you, Lord, not hear my prayer? <laughs> Don't crank it up. <laughs> yeah, I was like, hold on a second. I'm behind this. But when we are in a state of our frustration, we tell ourselves that the only way to prevail is to just muscle it out, be tough, you know, in this situation, do it by ourselves. Um, and I think mainly is because we don't want to overwhelm somebody else. I... I tell my wife all the time, like, hey, let me do it. She's like, I don't want to overwhelm you. You already got a lot of things to do. And she's like, she doesn't even tell me. And I'm like, no, you need to tell me <laughs> so we can do it together. Let me help you. I think it's awesome. But the thing is, I understand her heart, her servant's heart. It's just like what happens in our lives. We're, all, we're doing well. We think you're doing all right. But then 
We get so overwhelmed, we don't want to overwhelm others. And there's a reason why we don't cry out. So it's very important to cry out to God, right? The problem in finding a solution in people instead of God is that it makes us more disappointed with people. Because oftentimes we'll just like, we'll try to reach out to the wrong person. And they may not even have best motives. They're kind of like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Sorry, girl. But the thing is, we get disappointed in that time. We've put our trust in a person. And when that approval doesn't come, we get so discouraged. Our life is over. That's what it feels like, right? But it's not their fault. Now, we reach a point where we're not happy with God and we're frustrated with people that are around us, right? But here's the truth. Here's the key ingredient. People were not meant to take the place of God in our lives. People are not meant to take the place of God in our lives. There's, only, there's that space that no friend, even your husband or your wife or your children will ever fill. And it is only God who can fill that empty space. Amen? When you cry out to him, Psalm 34, 17, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the broken hearted and saves those who are crushed in the spirit. Come on. God, here's your cry. Mom, mom wife, husband, son, anybody. God, hears your cry, right? God will deliver you, but oftentimes it won't happen the way we imagined it. And not the way we want it to happen too, but he will deliver you. But often, this is what happens, just our stubbornness, you know, um, it delays God's deliverance. Israelites were just like stubborn, you know, they were like, hey, we got this. And that really infiltrated, you know, it really impacted their deliverance. So when we are stubborn and God, God, God gives us free choice, right? God is not going to interrupt a way of doing things. If you don't incline your heart to God, you know, don't be surprised if you find yourself on the wrong trail. Come on, Right? Oftentimes we think we got this, we got this life figured out. And the thing is what happens, we try to prove something to somebody. I mean, I was guilty of that. One day they're going to see me and my kids succeed. <laughs> Here's the reality. You will never be able to prove anything to those kind of people. <laughs> Come on. We should only seek one approval. And that only approval, the only one that matters and that is God's approval, right? The one that saved us, the one that sanctified us, the one that set our feet on solid ground. And the best thing is you don't need to prove anything to him. Nothing besides just give of yourself, really. Just your surrender. Says, you know what, just, just, just come on. Come on, come on home. Bring it in. I love God's faithfulness. I love anything, any psalms or songs and worship songs or passages in the scripture about God's faithfulness, okay? But here's the thing I want to point out, key point, when it comes to crying out to God. In Psalm 34, 15, it says, the eyes of the Lord are on who? The righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. So if you incline your heart, he will incline his ear to you, right? God is saying, are you ready to commit your life to me, or are you only looking for a friend with benefits? You know, we say, God is our friend, you know. I'll use that. I'll say that. Because really, that's how it is. We oftentimes, you know, God is like, our prayer should be answered like Amazon Prime. We're like, we have this understanding of God as like a vending machine, right? We're just like, 
we just put it in like, okay, God, I did a great day. To, I mean, I had a great day. Then yell at my kids, didn't lose it, doing all right. I think I deserve an answer now, right? And that's the kind of thing that we get in this situation. But God wants a relationship. He wants us to fellowship. And the more we t- times we spend with God, the more we have a clearer understanding of that situation that is in front of us. And oftentimes we wouldn't even need to cry out to God because we would understand how God operates, right? Because as Isaiah says, how my ways are not your ways, right? As to how high the heaven is from the earth, so are my ways above yours. But then scripture also says God has seated us in the heavenly places. So that means when you're walking with God, when you incline your heart to God, when you acknowledge him in all of your ways, in every step that you take, God has given you that perspective to see through that situation. And then you're not snapping or losing it. You know, you're just like, Lord, I know you got this because I put my trust in you, right? Hallelujah. Proverbs 3, chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding. God, so many times I've leaned on my understanding and I regretted it. I was like, oh, I'm going to give him that word. I'm going to just stab him where it hurts. Or if you maybe get in an argument with your spouse or something like that, and then you have this punchline, you're ready to pull, ooh, and you do it. And you're like, yeah, you feel great for 10 seconds. And then you're like, oh, my goodness, next two days is going to be silent. <laughs> you see what I mean? Enemy's so tricky like that. He likes for us to catch us in our emotions and just to, you know, just stick it to us. And we do the same thing with other people. We're like, I can't believe. I would never. Like, you know, did you notice people uh, that give the most advice to, on parenting are actually people that never had kids. Like, if I had kids, I would never do that. I mean, what kind of kids are those? I would never do that. <laughs> Trust God with all your heart, right? Lean not on your understanding. So that's when you are broken before God, when you're empty before God, and you're just like, Lord, I can only cry out to you, right? But look at it, it says, the second part of it, it says, in what ways? In some of your ways, acknowledge him. In some of your ways, eh? that's what we do. That's what we do. I've done it. I've done it. I was just like, eh, I'll, I'll inquire of the Lord in this situation. But this situation, yeah, I don't know. And then the Lord's like, well, the fact that you're questioning that you're not wanting to invite me is the fact that maybe you shouldn't do that, right? (laughs) In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Come on, hallelujah. When you acknowledge God in your ways, when you walk in the fear of the Lord, and remember a few weeks ago we talked about what the fear of the Lord is. It's what you think and what you say and what you do. It means God is part of that process, the three steps off, what you think, what you say, and what you do, Right? And he will direct your paths. When you're under the covering of his blood, right? Then you're under the shadow of his wing. Come on. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. You are his righteousness. You literally are walking with God himself. And that power of the Holy Spirit is within you. And it carries you through every situation. That means that's when you can confidently say, Less, Lord, I can cry out. The righteous cried out. If you have the blood of Jesus over your life, you are righteous. You're cleansed by the precious blood of Jesus. If that is ever present time in your life. But oftentimes, you know, we trail off. We do things on our own. And we get mad at God. And God was like, well, you kind of did it on your own, right? You inquired me? And God was like, well, where were you? Where were you, God? Where were you at? <laughs> I was here. 
God is so sovereign. He still loves us. I love that. Even the times when we did this, our own little dumb thing, God is like, let's get you back on track. And I just, you see God's faithfulness every day. It's like, it's pretty amazing. Second Kings 4.2. Point number two. So first one we talked about, cry out. Second one is reach out. Can we say that? Reach out. Ah, uh, there you Let's do it again. Reach out. I love it. I love it. Elijah replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all except a small jar of olive oil. So prophet asks her two questions. How can I help you? <laughs> how can I help you? I love that. God does that too. And it's incredible because this is literally God speaking to a woman through a prophet. How can I help you? And the second question is, what do you have in your house? It's so important to get specific with God. I'm telling you. Because sometimes we cry out to God and we don't even know what we're crying out to God for. God is like, okay, I hear you crying out. Tell me what you want, you know. And one of the hardest lessons that I've had to learn in my walk with God, uh, especially when I cry out to God, is that the first thing God wants me to work on is me. <laughs> and here's the thing. When I begin to work on me, I start seeing my situation change, Okay. Uh, my perception of that situation changes. As I've said, when you're walking with the Lord, when you're acknowledging, he will tell like, ah, no, don't do that. Do this. You'll have that inclination. You'll have that, the Holy Spirit will be like, hey, don't say it. Don't be too quick. Just give it a 10 seconds. And there's times where I'm like, I held up and I'm so glad that I did because I'm like, if I would have said that, I would have looked so dumb, <laughs> you know? So, but I've learned that in my marriage that when I change me, I change us. Right? And then I discovered it works in all the relationships, in all of my relationships. Right? It's just checking your own heart first. And if we're honest with ourselves, and I've mentioned that a little bit when we were praying, is that we're a little bit lazy, right? Because uh, we just want God to fix things. We don't want to be involved. <laughs> we don't want to participate in the process. <laughs> but this is not how God operates, right? Uh, the woman in 2 Kings 4, she says she cried out. You know, she needed a provision. Provision, right? God wanted to see what she already had. Even if as something that seemed so insignificant to her. Isn't that amazing? There's, kingdom of God is always in the little things. You just have enough of a you know, seed of a mustard seed and things like that, right? So God is so awesome though, but because he always wants to keep us involved. In all that he does. Come on, that is incredible, right? Because he finds joy in his creation. He loves, he, he's like, yeah, God, you can do it. But God's like, hmm, I want you to do it. You give him something to eat. Let's see a God working through you. See what God can do through you, amen? And I love that. Jesus told his disciples, you give him something to eat. And they went, right? And it was five loaves, two fishes was not much. But what they did, it was, they found it. Not sure if they took it out because I don't know how many kids would give up things freely. Maybe they snatch it from him. No, I'm sure they, he gave it up. But, but what you do is you take it and you put it in a place, you know, incapable hands of God. He does the rest, right? But then the multiplication again happened when they began to give, right? They had the very little. Jesus pray, prayed and then he gave it to them. And when they gave, it multiplied, right? That's when miracles happen. So God loves to involve us. In his miracles, all right? What do you have in your house? Ask yourself, what do I have to offer God? It might be a little, a little bit of this. But Lord, I'm going to offer it to you. 
Then the woman went to all her neighbors, right, to collect all the empty jars. So here's the important thing about crying out to God and reaching out to others. I want to point that out. Some of us, we're really great at reaching out, but we forget to cry out to God first, right? And some of us cry out to God all day long, but we never reach out to others. Let me explain uh, what reaching out actually means because we live in this funky world right now, right? And social media has gotten us a little mixed up, all right? So the real people that pray for you, that love you, that ask you how you're doing, that ask you how your appointment went, these are the people that are with you on your journey and are a very important part of your healing process, all right? Social media posts do not replace conversations. I don't know who needed to hear that, but I'm explaining to you. This is something profound. The woman didn't scream in the middle of a street, give me all your jars, right? How did she get those jars? I said she went and knocked on some doors, right? So she had conversations. So reaching out means sharing something. But reaching out does not mean sharing everything. All right? I want to point that out, okay? <laughs> uh, but when you cry out to God, you obviously tell him everything. You pour out everything. You know, with that pandemic that we had, I think that Satan was really trying to steal our sense of community, our, our relationships, right? Um, but we cannot remain behind that, you know, those phones and social media because people got so glued to their nowadays. It's just like anything is just a post on social media. Um, but if we express everything on social media, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, all we're doing is kind of shouting for jars, screaming like, hey, affirm me. Like, how many of you, I'm guilty of this. I, I will post something. I'm like, man, not a single love emoji or what are you, you know, those likes. Like, because there's a herring, caring hug emoji when somebody passes away generally. And it's amazing, right, that they give you a limited resource when you're just like, you could go and say, hey, I'm going to call him. I'm going to write him a message directly, right? And so I'm just saying those things because they're very relevant in our lives. Because our post does not mean that we're reaching out. We need a face-to-face -face interaction, right? There's no substitute for that. So in our life, I'm telling you, at some point or another, trouble will strike. We'll have difficulties, and we'll need somebody to lean on for support, right? Some people say, Vic, you're, not, you're, you're always talking to someone except me. And I'm like, please reach out. <laughs> Send me a text, something, right? Because... It's very important to be able just to notify, say, hey, I'm going through this. You mind praying for me? Oh, there's something special about reaching out to the right people. I'm telling you. So remember, reach out personally to the people, right? And then we get to our third point, which is pour out. Second Kings 4, the verse 4 and 5. I mean, I'm just dissecting what we read in the beginning. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into the jars. Uh, and as each is filled, put it one aside. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. Obedience. The Lord talks to us a lot about obedience. Hey, you go do this. When she was obedient, she went and she followed what the Lord said. But she went and she poured it out, right? And she kept pouring. So... There comes a time in all of our lives, in our healing process, I mean, I can attend to that, uh, where you have to shut the door to the noise around and let God do a work, a miracle in your life. 
Look at this, Matthew 6, 6. It reminds me of that passage. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who's in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Miracles don't happen when you're continuously distracted by the noise of what's happening outside. They have this, they have a house, they have a paid off house, they have nice vehicles. You know, shut that door. Shut that door to comparison. God wants to do a huge miracle in your own life. I remember when I finally did that. Oh, it was great. It was awesome because I finally started living a life that God wanted me to live. Right? Otherwise, you're just going, you're feeding yourself on a wrong feed. They call it a feed for a reason, right, on social media. Don't feed yourself other stuff, right? And even in Mark chapter 5, verse 4, you guys remember when Jesus went to heal. We talked about earlier we needed to heal that girl, right, Jairus' daughter. He got there. They were laughing at him. Even Jesus had to, like, shut the door in order for a miracle to happen, right? Jesus, the son of God. So, and he had to kick some out. It literally, he said, physically had to put them out, right? So you need to shut the door to the noise outside. And there's something about shutting the door to the outside and pouring out your heart before God and what is inside. Come on. You can pour out to God everything. And it's incredible. And see what God does in those moments. Amen? The poor will cry out. The righteous will cry out. The Lord will hear them. The, uh, the neighbors of the widow knew, you know, she probably had a situation. But I don't think they really knew everything. We can be uh, vulnerable with people and still have privacy. I want to point that out. Not everyone needs to know everything, okay? But there are some people in your life that you cannot hide from, all right? The boys were with a woman uh, when she shut that door, all right? I wonder how much the boys knew about the situation because it doesn't tell us the age. But it got me thinking and how much she tried to keep that from them, right? When those closest to us watch us fight the battle. And I want to point this out. And I don't know who needs to hear that. But oftentimes what may seem like a weakness to us is strength to them. You know, that we're seeing and persevering because that's an encouragement, okay? So in the weakest moment, she was building her faith. And not only that, building the faith within her sons. So cry out, reach out, and it's time to pour out, right? All she had to start with was very little. She had only had a little bit of oil. It wasn't enough for anything, right? However, this is all that she had. So Jesus is asking you, what do you have? What do you have to pour? What do you have to give? And so there's something profound when you put God first in everything. When you financially, you might be in a difficult time and you say, God, I'm going to trust you with my finances. I'm going to put that and I trust you, Lord. When I bring into the temple, whatever, you know, that woman she brought, she only brought two coins, but Jesus saw. He sees the very little that we have. Amen? So, but here's what happens when we have little. We tend to go into a survival mode where we start hoarding everything that we have. Every dollar, every minute, every word. You know, I got no time for this. But the prophet said, poor. Isn't that amazing? Before it gets better, it gets worse technically because then whatever we had is now gone, Right? Pouring is scary. What if you pour out and you have nothing left? What if nobody recognizes me? No one appreciates me around this house, right? The prophet says, keep pouring. Great things happen when we surrender the very little that we have to God, right? 
where we feel like we have nothing to contribute. But the kingdom of God, again, is in those little things, right? Like if faith is a list, as small as just even though little mustard seed. It's like, I just need that. Jesus, the Lord is like, just give me that very little that you have, right? I remember when me and my wife, we, we stepped into ministry. Honestly, we were terrified. <laughs> oh, man, I was praying like Jesus. I was like, Lord, if it's possible, let this pass, a cup pass me. <laughs> because I saw my dad. I saw him in ministry. I saw how much he poured out. I saw the attacks on him. And I, was, I really was just like, Lord, I don't know about this one, right? But there was too many confirmations. <laughs> but we, whatever we little had, you know, me and my wife, we, we started pouring out. We just began pouring out. Some of you might be going through the hardest thing right now. Or maybe in a month from now, you'll experience something that you did not expect. Right? Where you're just going to be fighting for your life. My message today is to keep pouring. When you do pour, it does feel like a sacrifice. Sacrifice that probably or maybe no one will even recognize. Seriously. Moms, most of your stuff goes undetectable. Dads, you too. You, you might be working tail off, whatever. No, it goes unrecognized. You're pouring it out before the Lord, right? This woman was pouring out for her kids. But keep in mind, but she was not pouring from a full jar, right? She's pouring from very little. And oftentimes we, we say, Lord, oh, when my jar is full, when I'll have the finances, I'll begin to tithe. When I'll have the time, I'll begin inviting people over to my house. When I'll have time, I'm going to spend time with other people. <laughs> and you look by and you're like, wow, 30 years I've been saying that, <laughs> right? If you wait until you're full to pour out, you'll never experience the power of God. See, because that's where God is glorified with the very little that you have. When you give and you give and you pour and God continues to flow, that oil will continue flowing <laughs> while you're pouring. Amen? 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Come on, if you're going through difficult times, I mean, listen to this. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches in needs in persecutions in distress for Christ's sake, right? For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Upside down kingdom. Again, we're living, we're serving God who gives us the ability to withstand things like no others, right? We have to keep on pouring though. It's because when we are empty, God begins to pour in us and through us. Amen? Matthew 5.5. 5. Blessed are poor in the spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Amen? When you're poor, when you're empty before God. It's what's so amazing is during these times when I remember, I'm just like, Time and time again, I'm pouring, I'm spending my time, and I'm spending time one-on-one -on -one where I was like, I know I could have done that. I could have kicked back. I could have went on a date, did this. I'm just pouring. And then during those times, you experience God's strength, love, 
joy like never before. And looking back, I'm telling you, if you were just pouring and pouring in your life and you're saying like, I, my life was most of the time went unrecognized. God sees everything. You know, you were pouring, but you know what's so amazing? Later, back, later on in life, you're going to look back and you're going to able to see that your five loaves, your two fishes, your five kids, four kids, two kids, you're able to feed a 5,000. Because your pouring has a purpose, right? We pour with purpose. We don't just go and spend our lives for just running around like chickens with our heads cut off like last week we heard, right? We have a purpose, right? And because of that purpose, we pour. We pour out. Luke 6:38. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure. Press down, shaking together, and running over. We poured into your lap. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. So I'm telling you today, be generous with your love, with your time, with your encouragement, right? When you feel empty, just keep pouring. Let's bring that verse back up. 2 Kings 4, 6. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God. He said, go and sell oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can now live of what is left. That's a bonus point right there. You can live of what is left. There will always be enough for what you need. He's a provider. He's Jehovah Jireh, right? He will provide, okay? Even when you're tired, you know you can put your trust in God. It doesn't matter what's happening with the economy. It doesn't matter who's going to be the president. Because if you are walking under the mighty hand of God, you are under the shadow of his wing, right? Amen. You're the apple of his eye. Keep on pouring. Because it's when you stop pouring, it stops flowing. So keep pouring out and let the Holy Spirit flow through you. Amen. Pour out when your kids are not acting right and everybody else is. Pour out when you get, you know, when a friend gets pregnant and you've been wanting to get pregnant all your life intentionally and you couldn't. Pour out when other people receive their healing and you still need your healing. And one day you'll turn around and you'll see a pantry full of jars, right? That will be able to sustain you, to use, that will be able to give you what you, to live on. Amen? God does some of his best work in our emptiness. And as we just read, right? It's in our weakness he is strong, right? Because then we're like, I got a mighty God behind me. I ain't doing it on my own strength. I got the Lord himself. The creator of the universe is backing me up. Amen? My faith grew the most when I felt empty in my life. And there's times, and not just happened before, there's going to be seasons, and I was literally going through some tough times, you know, physically, myself as well. And I was like, God, what's going on? But man, during this time, I felt like anointing of God like never before in my life. I'm like opening up a scripture. I'll read one passage, and well, I'll hear one word on the radio or somebody say it, and I'll get like a, a revelation. <laughs> I'll get a message out of that. I'm like, God, thank you. I mean, in my weakness... He is strong. And God, that's where God's glory dwells. When you're weak before God, when you're, you understand that you're not relying on your own strength. Amen? You're, you're relying on the strength of God. Amen? God wants to fill that empty space that only He can. Okay? He doesn't need you to get it all together. He doesn't need us to, like, figure it out. Vic, when you get it all together, then we can talk. Clean yourself up. You, you tell that to your kids? Hey, before you come talking to me, you go, you know, do this. Maybe we do, but whatever. 
We run, you know, if they fall down, and despite how muddy and dirty it is, we're going to grab them. Okay, we continuously see that through the scripture. The loving hands of the Father with his arms stretched wide. And the cross also represents that open arms for us. Amen? God wants to fill our empty spaces. But it starts out with us crying out, reaching out, and pouring out. Amen? And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, when you do that, when you keep pouring, it keeps flowing. Amen? Uh, let's stand to our feet. Thank you for joining us today. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit our website, whitefieldsalaska.com. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you today.